On today's Say It Ain't So Sports, we have episode three and four of the Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary. We'll review those. We have an interview with Buster Share, also known as Hoops Nation, on social media. We talk about how his account started, uh, some people he's met, interacted with along the way, and his take on if the NBA season is going to come back, and if so, you know, how we'll come back. And then we have a what if draft moment. So we have, you know, sports moments that didn't quite happen, but what if they happened? You know, how they would change the landscape of the league, stuff like that. It's a great one. Just a week up. Hit Ryan. Yeah, watch me rip this shit. And we're back. So, you know, episode three and four of the Jordan Doc premiered this week. It was the Dennis Rodman episode and the Bad Boy Pistons episode. I followed the same format as previous week, uh, going jumping back and forth. But this week was really cool because we got to see, like, the beef that's still there today in time with the Pistons and Bulls. But first we'll go into Dennis Rodman because he's just a nut. So, like, what did you guys think of his kind of story? I, I think um, I think it shows otherwise, though, that he's not that much of a nut. I think it kind of more, like, humanized Dennis Rodman. Like, I'd always just viewed him as his meme, but, like, now that, like, I got to see, like, some, like, pretty in-depth interviews with him and seeing what his teammates thought of him, it seemed like he, like, really, like, he obviously did really care about basketball. And, like, he even though he'd had his antics going to Vegas, 48-hour break or whatever, like, waking up in, like, a Coke stupor and Michael Jordan there and shit, like, he's still, like, you know, he's still – really cared about his team and, and the Bulls. And he, he fucking carried that – didn't carry, but he was he was uh, instrumental in, like, their success without Scottie Pippen. So I think it really showed that, like, he was, like, integral part of that team. Even though he had crazy hair and, like, nose rings and crazy antics, he still, like, was, like, really cared about the game of basketball and his own game. Yeah, and that's, and that's super uh, evident when he talks about, like, the art of rebounding and, like, how he studied how, like, the spin on, on like, certain players' shots would be and practice, like, where he should, posi- like, position himself just to rebound the ball. Like, that just, like, you're not going to see a player, like, do that in, in today's game, like, to learn about a specific skill, like, rebounding. Like, I mean, you see it all the time, like, shooting, but you're not going to see somebody just, like, focus on, like, one-on-one defense or on-ball defense or, like, blocking shots. Like, there's no, like, specialized players on something other than, like, scoring in today's game, really. So. Yeah, like, like the thing with Robin is, like, off you go in a second. Like, he just had a – he had a good heart. He had good intentions. He did take the vacation and stuff, but he was a little messed up in the mind. But I definitely have more sympathy for him than I did in the past because, like, you could tell he cared. Like, he, he put the 33s on his hair when Scottie Pippen came back. And he's a guy, like, he wanted to win, you know. He got along relatively well with the team. And, yeah, I think, like, it just offered a ton of insight. The kind of guy was. Yeah, and I think uh, something you notice a lot throughout the whole course of this documentary so far is, like, the difference between, like, how the league was operated, like, then and now. One thing that they kind of, like, gloss over is, like, so they find out Scottie Pippen, like, fell asleep during, like, a suicide attempt, basically, when he was playing at Detroit. Dennis and the next, I mean, yeah, sorry, Dennis Rodman, yeah. And, like, he's going through all this stuff, and the Pistons move is just to immediately trade them. Like, just, like, wash their hands of it. That would never happen now. Like, they would actually, like, support the player. And I think, like, and if that happened now, they would catch so much shit in the media and everything for handling that situation. Offloading their problem. Yeah. 
And I think, like, like in a lot of ways, like, the league and the system kind of failed Dennis Rodman, uh, like, for this to all be happening and, like, no one to step in or, to, like, try to get the guy help or anything. Different time. Different time than, yeah. like, the that teams, were involved. teams were not as involved in, in, like, their players' lives and, like, micromanaging their players' lives and stuff like that. Yeah. He, he like, really worked hard and played hard. Uh, he just had, like, he had that Vegas vacation. He got himself right. But when he came back, he still – he still he still put the numbers on the court and he still got the rebounds and did the dirty work. So it was kind of cool that he could just like like literally get hammered, then just show up to the game and then just like play amazing. It was kind of cool. Fucking ball out. Shows us clips of him doing like shoulder presses. He's looking massive. Yeah, and like him like yeah. drinking like the Miller Light before he's about to hop to on get on the motorcycle. No way that flies. Now. Yeah, that <laughs> also, also in like today, you'd never be able to to like teams would never be able to like give you that like forty eight hour vacation to go to Vegas because of social everywhere. media and everything. Right now, you're gonna get caught. TMZ's gonna be there. Like you're like, and then and then you're gonna get questions about anything like get shit for it You're, that's never that would never fly today and like it and also i think the only team that would have like supported that would be like phil jackson and, and that bulls team because phil jackson was like speaking about how he's like he's like one of the only people that like kind of like understood him because phil jackson they, they like really glossed over the fact that he like yeah. did acid all the time in like, the 70s when he was on yeah, the yeah that's yeah, also that's I mean, another <laughs> instance of phil jackson like really being great at supporting his players they showed that in the beginning with how he handled like the scotty pippen situation and now with like with rodman it's a similar thing like he just really connected with the players in a way that like you don't often see but especially now you never see that the players just like kind of dictate like to the coach what happens yeah yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes, like, sometimes you just, like, like Rodman, you just got to go zero dark 30 and cut loose for 48 hours. Sometimes you just need that for your psyche. Like, who knows? What's stopping what's stop me and Law from just, like, deading the pod, just, like, going to Vegas for, like, two days, just, like, drink booze and Miller Lights, hopping on motorcycles, like, going crazy. Like After, after a long episode? Yeah, episode sometimes you just got to cut loose, and I think, I think it really, but that showed, like, the human side of Rodman. Like, he's not just, like, this basketball machine. Like, he's he needs, like, his own personal moments. Like, And, like, the story went, like, when they got him, MJ told the whole Bulls to, like, slow down in the laps to help him kind of get back into it. And right after that vacation, you know, that 48-hour boost fest, he comes right back and he's sprinting faster than everyone can handle. And, yeah, the, it just, it, like, flipped his mind. He was all invested again after that 48 hours. And, yeah, you'd never see that anymore. Now it's crazy because the league is softer than ever, but you'd still never see them just giving a player yeah. two days. Remember Derek Rose? He kind of had a similar thing. Yeah, like you went AWOL. He went AWOL to get his mind right, and, like, it was – he did not get yeah. received as well as Dennis Rodman, not even close. Yeah, I mean, uh, this was this was glossed over um, a little bit, like, by us. We touched upon this, like um, – I think Chester mentioned it. Um, like, about, like, how just, like, the league was different at the time, and it was, like, you can just see – it kind of – like, watching this doc just, like, makes me hate the NBA today because I'm, like, Please. I want to see that shit. I want to see Michael Jordan get, like, flagrant on, like, a fucking layup, and then, like, Dennis Rodman comes in and, like, knocks some guy out. Like, I want to see that shit today. I don't want to see, like – Steph Curry do seven dribble moves and, like, drain a limitless range three. Like, I don't want to see that. Yeah, and, like, they, they show you in a clip in one of the um the Bulls-Pistons Eastern Conference Finals. I forget which year it was. But they show a clip of Bill Lambeer, like, elbowing Scottie Pippen in the head. And he just, like, gets, like, knocked out. And you see a ref. You see Joey Crawford, like, the referee in the game, just, like, drag Scottie Pippen, like, uh, like out, like, off the court into, like, the baseline and then just continue play. Like, imagine <laughs> if that happened today. Like... I think, like, what Herney was saying earlier was just, like, perfect. Like, how it just makes you hate the NBA now. Like, I think I texted in the chat. While there's that whole montage of all these players fighting and shit, you think about now, like, these players now, what's considered fights is when they, like, 
mouth each other from sideline to sideline because they said something mean on Twitter. Like, they're just the age is completely different era of basketball. Like, guys just actually used to fight back then instead of this, like, Twitter diss track bullshit back and forth. Like, Aaron Gordon d- dropped the diss track for getting a 9 out of 10 on a dunk yesterday. Like, it's just a different time we live in. It also highlighted, like, building upon the softness of the league today. Like, there's just no, like, rivalries today. You know what I mean? Like, in the NBA, you don't just, like, see, like, yeah. teams that just, like, fucking hate each other. Like The closest thing we got was Cavs Warriors. But, but like, well, you don't see LeBron, like, like fucking, like, pressing, like, Steph Curry, like, by, about to knock him out. Uh, like, to the end. By the end, uh... By the end, maybe, but like still that that's like that's a dime a dozen though. Like, you never see it anymore. Yeah. Like two teams that if it's it's like a regular season game, but they're playing it like it's game seven of the NBA finals. Like hard defense, like smash mouth fucking basketball, like dunking and shit. Like you don't see that anymore. Like like teams don't even want it in the regular season. You could see that like back then, like the Bulls, even when they play the Pistons in the regular season, like they wanted to beat them because it's like a statement for them. But nowadays it doesn't matter. Like teams don't care like about it anymore. I feel like there's still like decent rivalries, but yeah, like Greg said, it's like Twitter beef. Who cares? Like I want to see like some real life beef, throwing hands, like throwing bodies. That's what basketball basketball is a physical sport, and now and anymore it's lost all like physicality for yeah, the most no, part. The, the game's lost its edge. The classic 100%. thing is like this up the person who defends basketball today will be like Steph and LeBron don't like each other. Like, compared to fucking MJ Isaiah Thomas, it's nothing. Like, what, they don't dap up and, like, have a two-minute conversation after every game? Like, come on, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but even at at that NBA, they would still, like, they'd beat the shit out of each other for whatever, how long an NBA game is, and they'd fucking, but they'd still go up to each other after the game and still be like, hey, man, like, you played well, like. I still think well. Besides that, at the end of that, but like, still, you'd see that like stuff. Like, even when the Bulls lost them, like they still went up to them and like said like good game and shit. Like, they're like they're just like they weren't as petty as they are today. And like, like everything actually meant something. They wouldn't beef over minute stuff. They'd beef over like you just laid my teammate out. Like, I got I'm going after you now. And uh, this is kind of off topic, but one thing I did notice was after the 1990 Eastern Conference Finals in Game Seven, like you would never see what uh, happened at the end of the game. Uh, in in today's earth, uh, now um. They, the TV Twitter would blow crew, up. Twitter would blow up. The TV oh. crew interviewed Michael Jordan on the court after they lost Game Seven. That would never happen for like any other player today. Like in the like right after they lose, like they're not no, going no, up to that happened. player, yeah, and that just shows like how big of a star Michael Jordan even was like then, like before any of his titles or anything. It's like crazy to think about. I think going into like the uh, the Bad Boys episode, a lot of the things they showed, like teams actually had like an identity back then. Now, like all the teams have to play the same, and like it's just like your identity is just like your best player. They all want to be the Warriors. Everything yeah, every, awesome. everyone's just running and shooting threes and all that. Like like teams actually like 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 the Pistons won from qualities that like wouldn't be on a two K rating, and that that's something that like that never happens anymore. Now it's just like all right, well this we have like the five best shooters on the planet. We're gonna kill everybody. It never happens anymore. It's a great point. Yeah, I mean, the Pistons just built their team off grit, toughness, and, like, their motto, their way to beat Jordan was, like, fucking try to paralyze him. Like, just Jordan rules. They would just give you a tech every time you did that now. You do yeah, it. I, mean, you I play, I'm like, I play basketball like the 1991 Pistons. That's, That's a great I play like basketball like. Yeah. That's like how we would play in the kinetic days. Though. We would just literally, if yeah. anyone goes to the When the say the Snowboys are playing, yeah. you go to the rim, yeah, you get hit. Yeah, when the same yeah, so Brady boys, calls but... blocking foul on me and pick up basketball. I yeah, mean, yeah. When, when, when you go to the hoop, you got to pay for it. Kinetic, and then and then Connor went up with that weak shit on me, and I laid him out in the paint. Hear that shit, Lucat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how Chester plays ball. No easy fucking buckets. 
I'm going to make you pay. I'm going to make you pay if you jump. You're his coach, nothing easy. Yeah, but um, like when they during the Bad Boy Pistons episode, I feel like they should have talked to like I don't remember. I, they I'm not I don't remember if they talked to Rodman a lot like about the Pistons. I feel like that would have been like cool to hear because he he was yeah. somebody that played with the Pistons when they're in the like that heated rivalry against the Bulls, and then he ended up playing for the Bulls later in his career, like for that second three Pete. Like it would I thought it would have been interesting to hear like his perspective on all the things that happened with the with the um, Pistons and Bulls and whatnot uh, beforehand, but they didn't really like interview him as much about that stuff, or at least that footage wasn't shown if they had it. Yeah, so like about then the second episode goes more into like the first two times they played Jordan was unsuccessful and the pod it's kind of following a similar format like while last dance year it's following Jordan's career throughout so now we've got past the early years in his career and this is really when his legacy starts being questioned you know he hits that buzzer beater against the Cavs in game five which is a do or die game back then and then we start seeing the Bulls Pistons rivalry and like it's crazy to hear like People were questioning if Michael Jordan was a winner. People were advocating to trade him because they're not winning. They're not beating the Pistons. And it's just like a classic, like, old takes exposed. Like, every month, just recycle that same article. It was, like, advocating for Michael Jordan to get traded because they couldn't beat the Pistons. I, I do love, like, how, like, uh, Lambeer still, like, just, like, still is adamant of, like, yeah, I'm not going to shake those guys' hands up their loss. I think with uh, Isaiah, like, Thomas, like, he kind of was – in the middle with it, he's not too sure if he uh, regrets it or not. But like Bill Lambert, just fully like owning up and be like, "Yeah, like I, I don't like those guys, and it doesn't matter that I shook their hands." Well, the the difference between Bill Lambert and Isaiah Thomas is that like Isaiah Thomas had is like w- like is somebody that like could potentially have been like considered like he is an all time great in the in basketball. But then like he was left off of like the greatest basketball team ever assembled because he because of that. Right, so he had time to look back at it and look at like the consequences of his actions, where he wasn't put on the dream team and they put Christian Leitner on it instead, like instead of Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, yeah, like, and Isaiah Thomas all time is better than a lot of players that were on the '92 dream team, and mm-hmm. it, it's like, and because he didn't shake hands with him, Jordan said like, "I'm not playing on the." Dream team, if Isaiah Thomas is on the team, and that was with the Pistons head coach Chuck Daly coaching the team. And obviously, they're going to have with Jordan, who's the best player in basketball. So Thomas got kind of screwed. Something I like about the doc in this sense is it generates like a after every episode, it keeps generating a conversation. Like by showing you know Isaiah Thomas that video, by by showing like uh, Jordan the video of what he said, it generates like it brings back the uh, the buzz and the rivalry because you hear Jordan like bash isaiah thomas is like oh i don't care what this says there's nothing you could show me that makes me think isaiah thomas is sorry or anything like that and isaiah thomas you know he you actually see uh, cap was saying like it's weird because you can't really tell if he's sorry or not he kind of admits to it and says they probably shouldn't have done it he actually says like he regrets doing it but then at the same time you don't really see that same level of remorse that you'd like to see and so i think it just like it brings up an interesting point like to see a team do that now would just be insane like now they're jersey swapping after every game and, like, to not even shake their hands. I don't know. I didn't even know this happened. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a basketball historian. But to see, like, kind of how it affected the rest of the NBA, like, even in your uh, future, because, as you said, Isaiah Thomas was left off the dream team. It's crazy, like, the ripple effect it had. 
Well, it's great that, like, even to, like, to this day in this documentary, the animosity is still there. Jordan still hates these guys or loves them. And he, like, even he still hates Isaiah Thomas. And he still hates the fact that um Pippen left the game because of a migraine. Like, I think yeah. everything is just very real here. And it's pretty cool that, like, Jordan is just, like, and he, he's just throwing F-bombs everywhere. It's very, like, I feel like it's just very genuine. It's actually just cool to, like, see his side of things. Yeah, I mean, like, before this documentary come out, like, this documentary obviously is, like, humanizing Michael Jordan a lot because people see him people see him as, like, a god. Like, you have to realize that even at that time, like, people see him as, like, larger, like, more than, a like, a, a human being, really, honestly. Like, and we'll never understand how, like, famous Michael Jordan, like, was during, like, the peak of the Bulls dynasty. But, like, he still is, like, he's still, like, the most recognizable basketball player today like if you show a picture of michael jordan versus a picture of like an like a current nba player that could even be like an all-star like to somebody who doesn't know basketball they're still gonna know one of them they're still gonna know which one's like michael jordan like that's it's just crazy so just to be able to like per, like it's personalizing him and i think like that's really cool to, to to see yeah i'd like to add on like in 20 years we're definitely gonna see like lebron and steph like being buddy buddy like we'll never see michael jordan with those guys like at, when, from that Pistons seem like ever being buddies, like ever. That beef is cemented. Like NBA beef today just kind of like comes and goes. Like that shit is cemented forever. I apologize on Twitter after the game, and then it's all good. Um, Jordan's not going to Twitter after that game. I'm sorry, how I acted. Fuck that. No, it's something like that we didn't talk about. It's like how significant it was for the Bulls to beat the Pistons. Two previous years, they go down in heartbreaking fashion. We have the game seven, the Scotty Pippen migraine game where he claims, he claims, you know, we'll never know. He couldn't see on the court. He had a terrible game. And, you know, Jordan ends up going for 30-plus, and it doesn't matter. And then the year after, they, or maybe it's the year before, but they lose two straight years in devastating fashion to this Pistons team. And then they finally, they get that third shot at them. They're ready. They're hungry. Like, they spent the whole offseason after losing to the Pistons, grinding it to, like, the day after the game. The whole team went to the weight room, uh, weight room. Today, in today's game, you see players going to fucking Cabo, like, when the season's over. They're checked out. They don't give a shit. They want their summer. And to see that whole team determined to kind of, like, band together and to beat this this godly team that was unbeatable the last two years, it was awesome to see, like, they even said, like, it meant more than winning the finals to them to beat that Pistons team. Yeah, I think the documentary really shows, like, it, like basketball is, like, the in a sense where like it's the greatest team sport in the sense where all the players have to work together to win it like it's not like oh every player has like their individual assignment now this is how it goes like there has to be a flow within the team to make something happen and i feel like part of that's kind of lost now it's just like every team's now just like an assortment of like how many star players you can get not really like how how do we get these pieces to fit and how bad do these guys like like how do they interact like personality wise and i feel like that part's really gone and it, it just makes less fun teams every team feels like so like like i'm just like wrapped in plastic like there's no like there's heart no to any team anymore. anymore there's no like units like teams that are just like like they're like ride or die for each other it's just like yeah. Yeah. it's just like get a group of all-stars that'll like coast through the regular season and then just like turn up into playoffs. Get LeBron a few random yeah. shooters. They're they're all they're all independent contractors now. Like yeah. I mean they were before technically but still like they don't like they don't have any they also don't have like any loyalty to like teams. I understand why like own, like you don't want to have loyalty like ownership or whatever but still like you never really see and you also like going back to even the first two two documentaries of the series you never see any players like as loyal to a coach as Jordan was to Phil Jackson, where he literally retired because 
because Phil Jackson wasn't brought back. Another like interesting aspect is the role of role players in that, like how important they were to their team in the '90s, is so much more to now. Now it's just about your stars, your top three players. Back then, you needed eight-man teams. You needed deep teams. You know, we hear like Jordan's not able to get open. You have to create shots for others. He's hitting packs and he's hitting Kerr. And now it's all about like who are your top three players? Are they better than the other team stars? And it's not really about unity in a team. It's about a few guys just banding together and like hitting each other up on Instagram DM to play together and just fill out the pieces with like that minimum guys. It's not really about like how these guys will fit personality wise or really like about the team and the bonding and all that. It's uh, pop is really the last guy you see. Like he's the only one who really cares about the team with doing like movie nights with the team and like sleepovers. Like no other team really does that anymore. Yeah. Teams. It's, Part of that, I think, is because now teams are primarily built through free agency. At least great, like great teams that we look at are now primarily built through free agency, through the free agent market. Like you, like guys, like will like team up together and go to a certain place. It's not like homegrown talent. I mean, you saw the the Warriors were homegrown talent, but and then they got Kevin Durant, obviously. So like you saw that in the beginning, but also like their head coach is Steve Kerr, who's from like that Bulls team. So that's something else. But also like. Or like seven or eight seeds, or like do, or like trying like win talent, like win games, like homegrown talent. I guess like like everybody's like you see the Knicks are just trying to to get the next like free agent class as opposed to like building a team like through the draft. Like you'll see some of these like more successful teams throughout history doing, and that's just how teams are trying to build now because it's all about the stars as opposed to like developing players. Yeah. Um, is that it for the review? Is that all we got? Yeah, that's all I got. So, right. so um, yeah, so, you know, episode three and four were very good. I'd say we'd recommend them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Keep keep uh, being invested. I'm curious to see the ratings, like how much they dipped, because they probably did, but. It's probably what, better than any NBA games. Are you kidding me? It, it's like <laughs> multiplied every game, like quadruple, quadruple more than every game. Not even a contest. Um, but yeah, so stay tuned. We got the interview with Buster, Buster and Buster in the interview, Buster squared. And then we have the what if draft. It's a great draft. So make sure to stay tuned. So we are joined by Buster share also known as hoops nation on all social medias. Thanks a lot for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, so we've been having like a theme so far as we've been having these big Instagram accounts on, and that's another reason we wanted you on. So, like, I know you had a post on it last week on kind of how you got started, but can you maybe go more into depth on, like, your decision to create Hoops Nation? Yeah, so I started, like, just blogging about fantasy basketball, and then eventually um, I progressed into, into doing all, uh, all levels of basketball, primarily back on Facebook, um, and just, just started having a lot of fun with it. Uh, I started that around the same time that I, I started doing broadcasting, the, the high school that I moved to after my freshman year of high school where I grew up in Brooklyn to you know, moving to Connecticut had a, a local radio station so I started broadcasting uh, JV field hockey um, and that definitely gave me a lot of confidence so I moved up to do doing like Friday night football and stuff like that um, gave me a lot of confidence to, uh, to to make my personal brand a part of the online hoops nation stuff mm-hmm. um, and that really gave it a good push you got your start on Facebook right yeah Totally. Yeah. So, like, now I think you have over – I just checked. When we were supposed to do this interview last week, it was, like, 970K. It's already up to 974K on Instagram. 
So like at what point did you have your like, holy shit, like this is real. Like I actually have like a following. This is just, this is big kind of moment. Uh, I don't know if I've ever had that because it's, I think a lot of like creators and influencers have like one, I, I did have it on Facebook, but I never had it on any other platform where they have like one really viral video right. and that just makes everything go insane. Like they'll gain, they'll go from zero to 500,000. Like I didn't, I didn't have that. That happened over, you know, the course of five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I never, it was always pretty gradual for me. Um, but back on Facebook, I had a video that got like 50 million views and that grew the account like 100K in a day. And it was from like 300 to 400, not zero to 100. But um, I remember that was, I was like, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, the video was of uh, a Miami Heat fan hitting a half court shot and LeBron tackling him. But I edited oh. But I edited, I edited it so it like went back, did slow mo, and was like the song of the moment or whatever at the time, and it just did really well. <clears throat> yeah, it just did really well, which is awesome. So becoming one of the biggest uh, basketball accounts out there, I'm sure you've interacted with a ton of cool people. Can you tell us some of the coolest people that you've talked to so far? Yeah, I, I mean, like I think some of the coolest people. So, like, from an NBA standpoint, I hosted this show um, for the NBA called Out of Controller, where I played guys in video games. Um, as far as guys that I was impressed by, you know, which I would, you know, say is coolest, best Mario Kart player I ever played against, Jared Allen. He was lapping me on the most difficult modes, and he knows all of his stuff. Best 2K player I've ever played against, Jamal Murray was beating me by, like, 30 and he was still celebrating on every three he got. He was still doing his arrow celebration while we're just playing 2K, and he's beating yeah. me by 30. Was Jamal Murray in the players' tournament? I don't think he was. I don't know if he was, but he should have been. Um, he's good. And uh, But, yeah, those are, those are definitely two, two great guys. But I, I, I've never had a bad interaction with any, any athlete or anybody in kind of the media world. Everybody's been great. With the account and, and your career as of now, like where where do you go from here? What do you see like in the foreseeable future for uh, Buster Share? Yeah, so I, I'd love for there to be a lot of emphasis and you know more new original content around my personal brand. I think a lot of that is my podcast, um, which is a weekly uh, a weekly show. Um, so I think a lot of it's around that, but also you know, doing more speaking and cutting out more clips from stuff like that and publishing that across social and being diversified on all the platforms and, you know, creating original YouTube content and doing all this stuff while also helping out other people do it in, in the process. Yeah, because something I've noticed from you is like a lot of people, they separate their like Instagram success or social media success from themselves, but you kind of like, you put it all on one like Buster, you have like you have the Instagram Buster also and like you let your personality show. I think more than maybe like some accounts and that's, you know, that's a cool thing. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I definitely, I definitely try to do that. So that's good to hear. And so like, obviously we'll go now to more like NBA specific topics. So obviously there's no games right now. And the two last months have been kind of like a nightmare in the sports world and real world, honestly. And I wanted to know like when you got the initial news that the NBA was suspended, what like month of your, I was shocked at, at the time. My like real world reaction was, I got to get the hell out of New York because it yeah. makes no sense for me to be here right now. So I left that night. 
Um, and, and from a basketball standpoint, I was disappointed, but I also didn't, didn't think it was going to last this long, or I didn't think there was any chance of the season not happening or being canceled as a whole. So it all just happened so quick. I know you guys, you guys remember those like two or three days where all the news came out at once. It was wild. Everything I canceled. We live in New York. Pretty shitty for us. Yeah, and that that day where uh where it came out that Gobert like tested positive and like they were still playing the the Ma- I remember they were still like the Maverick like the Mavericks game or whatever. I don't remember who they were playing, but I remember like it was the Mavericks. It was a home game for them, and that game was still going on after they announced that the season was going to be suspended, and they had it like above the scoreboard and everything. And like they showed Cuban's reaction to, it. I I remember like that stuff. Like I'm gonna remember for a long time. Like what, yeah. what about you? Like what 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 could have been Vince Carter's last game too? Against the Knicks, yeah. He yeah, hit that. Three. You saw that? Like they started. put him in because they thought it might have been over, and he hits that three, and maybe that's it for him. Yeah, man. He started the game thinking he was gonna have you know the rest of the season, and it's tough. Hopefully, it, it still comes back, and he's there. Hmm. And so if it like played out as expected, you know, no stoppage, anything like that, what was your as like as the season was going, your finals like matchup prediction and then also your MVP? Lakers, Bucks, and Giannis. Okay, yeah. Um that's So you pretty- think the you think the Lakers would have lost to to the Bucks in the finals? I think the Lakers would have beaten the Bucks in the finals. Yeah, I think I think it, it's very oh. I think it's a very similar situation. You know, the last dance is, is going on right now, and everybody's talking about that. But I think it's a very similar situation to how Michael Jordan knew he didn't have, you know, an infinite amount of time left. Um, I get that, that same energy with LeBron, and, and the camaraderie within the Lakers is, is really on point. And I just think there are only a couple people that I would call goats in the game of basketball, LeBron and Jordan being two of them. And, you know, goats got to get it done. So it's, you know, you have to expect that LeBron gets done in, in that situation. If he beats the yeah, Clippers. And, and, I'm sorry, Charlie. Uh, where do you think that ranks, like, as an all-time win for him? Because that's a stacked, like, that's going to be a tough task if they eventually do face. You said if Giannis beats the Lakers? No, um, if LeBron is able to get through the Clippers and the Bucks, oh, like, yeah, we'll get through the Clippers and the Bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be impressive, but he's done more impressive. Mm-hmm. 20, 2016 yeah. was impressive, in my opinion. Yeah. 2018, too, even though they didn't win that year. like. Yeah, on his own. Totally. And if the season doesn't come back, which I'm personally, I think is what's going to happen, but I, I hope I'm wrong. Um, if so, But if the season doesn't come back, like, what, what do you, like, what were you looking forward to like the most as an NBA fan, like for this season that you don't think that we'll be able to, to see pan out? I was, I was just looking forward to the playoffs. I mean, that's the best time of basketball. So um, I was really just eager, eager to see what the hell was going to happen. Cause you've got all these teams in the East, you got Boston, you got Toronto's playing out of their minds without Kawhi, you know, Pascal has been incredible. Um, you know, you've got all these squads. Obviously, you know Giannis and the Bucks versus the Western Conference, where teams you never would have thought, you know, would be in there. Like OKC, all of a sudden they've got a shot. So uh, I was really just looking forward to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Just a quick thing. Do you think John Morant was the rookie of the year over Zion? 
by by default Jaws rookie of the year, but if Zion had played 20 more games, yeah. I, I, would, I would hand it to Zion. But it's unfair to take that away from Ja when he played everything. And he's amazing. Like, I think that dude's going to be an all-star in two years. Just, right. just sucks that the Knicks like, couldn't get either of those in the, with the lottery last year. Right, exactly. I wish, man. So we're, yeah, we'll go to the Knicks now because we're all from, we're New York based. So we're like 90% of the podcast, we're all Knicks fans. And we talk a lot about, like, the dysfunction with them. And then before, like, we'll get to the new positive aspect with the new hire. Like, why do you think, you know, this century has been such a failure and laughingstock in New York? Uh, I, I think this century. So since, the, since, like, 2000? Yeah, since their last 1999 final. So, in fairness, it has been 20 years and there are 30 NBA teams. So we're just and a couple of teams have won multiple times. So in the grand scheme of how many teams have won since 2000, we're right about mid-level. Um, it's like a 50-50, probably close. I wonder. Right? The Lakers won three times. The Warriors won three times. Lakers won, uh, won five times. They, oh, Lakers won five times. You're right. Even was, last. Yeah, the Spurs won four. Laker, uh, Celtics won one. Spurs won how many? Three. So there are like eight teams at one or roughly or seven or eight, whatever it is. But point being, I can't be upset that we're not champions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously I can be, but I'm, I'm trying to be logical. So what I am upset though, is that we haven't made the conference finals. It's ridiculous. Uh, I think it, it just comes down to players coming to New York to be or getting traded in New York, not coming to New York, not coming to New York because of, of non-team related reasons, but also the legacy of losing of New York. Um, and then uh, when they do come to New York or when they do get traded to New York, they're taking the craziest contracts that have ever been given. You know, example, Carmelo Anthony or Mara Sotomayor. Joakim Noah. Joakim Noah. I mean, but it's annoying, though, because, like, we see the Nets who are, like, I'll say it, they're the little brother of New York. You know, we're, New York is a Knicks town, and then they're able to get KD, who we've been, like, we've been teasing, you know, coming here for over a year now. And it's just, like, frustrating to see, like, those guys, KD and Kyrie, go to New York, but then not choose the Knicks. And, you know, they had DeAndre Jordan, and then that was supposed to help recruit them, and he goes to the Nets, too. And, like, just looking at that aspect, I don't know. Like, obviously, you can expect them, like, they, yeah, for them to not have a finals appearance, but to even just be relevant. Like, when haven't been relevant in over like five years. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that this year changes that, whether they get Cole Anthony or in, in an yeah. ideal scenario, Lamelo. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely, definitely hoping that, that that helps at least a little bit, you know, as well as any other free agents, obviously, going after Giannis when the time comes, but. You know, I think the draft is probably more realistic. Yeah, and that, if the season doesn't get played, I feel like this is such a Knicks thing. Like, by winning that game against the Hawks, it bumped them down, I think, like five slots in the lottery odds. So that could really bite them if it comes down to it. Yeah, man, it's 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 tough. I wish I had more positive things to say, but, you know, it's kind of the reality of Knicks fandom. Mm-hmm. What do you think of RJ's rookie year? Good, good, sturdy, but not 
anything that I'm, you know, telling him he's a saying he's a Hall of Famer or anything like that. Um, and then go to more of the positive aspect. You know, obviously Steve Mills has been running this team, I feel like, to the ground for the last 15-ish years. They finally get rid of him and they bring in Leon Rose, who's an agent. He's never really done it before. I want to know what you thought of, like, bringing him in to lead this team. I thought it was great. He has incredible relationships with a lot of guys who year after year are free agents. I think that helps doesn't hurt. Um, getting rid of Steve definitely helps. Um, and I, I can't judge his performance, obviously, because right after he came in, everything got shut down. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does in the offseason and how he approaches it and, and how he looks at the Knicks, because we don't know. Yeah, we saw the Lakers go this route. You know, Rob Palenka is obviously an agent, so... Hopefully it does pay out. You worry, though, just because it is the Knicks, like if it just completely flakes, like Phil Jackson higher. But, yeah, I'm optimistic, too, because I think this, I think this is like the way to go in the new, the new NBA. Totally. Now going more, like now that there's no basketball um, going on, ESPN obviously is airing the, the long-awaited Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, which you briefly mentioned before. And – I'm assuming you you've been uh, keeping up just like we have, and um, yeah. I just wanted to know like what your thoughts on were for like the first two episodes, and then the episode that aired uh, two nights ago or last night, um, about um, like the whole thing with the uh, like the bad boy Pistons and everything, and then obviously them like going over Jordan and Dennis Rodman and Pippen's upbringings and whatnot. What would you think of the first four episodes so far, and what are you like hoping to look uh, like? What are you looking forward to, to seeing in the upcoming episodes? Yeah, I thought I thought that they were uh, that they were great, super you know, super intriguing. I have never been more satisfied with a story than the story of what Michael Jordan said after he hit that game winner. I was always wondering what what the hell that celebration was about because um, it was so energetic and sporadic. And usually you see guys like run down the court and hug their teammates or like jump on the scoreboard like D Wade or something like that, the scorers table. Um, but he was pumping the air and saying something, but we didn't know what he was saying, and we finally heard the story, so that was great. And as far as the Pistons, we all know they were wrong. They know they were wrong. I just saw an interview with Isaiah Thomas this morning where he said that he's been dealing his whole life with how you know, wrong he was in that moment and, and how he's paid the price of that, which I'm sure he has, and he's turned it around, and he's a good guy, and he's done a lot of good things. But you know, as far as... Um, as, as far as other other points from the doc, I loved hearing about Rodman going to Vegas in the middle of the season. I mean, he's he's an animal. That that would never that would never happen in today's uh, NBA. Just like getting like a, a forty eight hour vacation to go like party in Vegas and everything. Like you never. Could you imagine? I'm trying to like not. Jr. Smith, I think would be like the, the guy that would do that if anybody. Would you say? Jr. Like yeah. if there's anybody. Like let's say a big man like. Let's say Miami's uh, finals run, Birdman. Let's say Birdman. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yo, I want to like, yo, Coach Spolster, I want to go to Vegas or I want to go to the clubs. Like, no way, no chance. I think it's just so great too how uh, it was Jordan who like who came in and rescued him. Like he came to Vegas and then in the doc he was like, I won't even say what was on his bed. Like I just thought that was a great story. Yeah, crazy. You know, like for us because we. Me and Charlie, I think you're around the same age. Like we're we're in college, so we didn't really get to see Jordan play like at all. I don't, I never saw Jordan play. So like this doc has just been cool to like see his highlights and 
see everything. Like I see some of these dunks, some of these plays and that I'd never seen before. And it's just like, it just opens my eyes to, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, I, we hear everyone always talking about him, the goat, he's not human. And that's at least how I like, I'm appreciating the doc for that aspect. Yeah, totally. No, it's good to be exposed to previous eras that we were totally oblivious to. Yeah, and also, like, nobody has ever, like, been opened up to, to Jordan as much as this doc has, has enabled us to, to be. Oh. So just for anybody that loves basketball, this has just been, just been amazing to, to have. Totally agree with that. Um, and then I think, I think we're all good here. Thanks. I just have one last thing. If you yeah. had to, if you, you know, gun to your head, do you think the season is coming back? I'd say 60-40 it is because there's too much money on the line for them not to try. How do you, like, yeah, that's true. How do you, what, like, are they exploring the bubble aspect? Like, play normal games in the regular I, stadium? I don't see them playing with fans, but I do see the season. I 60-40 season comes back. 90-10 season comes back with fans. 10-90, uh, yeah. so that... Yeah, ten percent chance that there there are any fans at games, um, but sixty percent season comes back with no fans. Okay, cool. Uh, one thing, what like you're talking about, Leon Rose, just to end on this because you know we're Knicks fans. What moves do you want to see the Knicks make in the off season? I want to see the Knicks draft well. I, I mean, I don't. You know, I'm I'm not gonna name any names, but we all know there have been mistakes made in the past. Um, but I. Uh, I really hope they draft Cole, and if they can, LaMelo. I, I don't know where they're going to get on the board from that standpoint. Um, and really, I, I'm not asking for that much. I'm just asking for them not to make any stupid long-term contracts. <laughs> that's yeah, all that's I'm asking good. for. Uh, if he does those two things, I'll be happy going into the next season. The free agency class the year after is a lot bigger. Um, obviously, this is going to be a weird offseason as is, so yeah. forward to that. And I like, I like the encore. Do you like the season, like the proposed, like start in December, start on Christmas Day, if it, yeah. if it happens? You guys remember when they did that a couple of years ago? It was great. Yeah, they did that with the lockout. Right. Honest, it was and, great. And, uh, honestly, I feel like the season could be, obviously they want to have 82 games, but I feel like it would make even more sense potentially to have it like maybe start later and end later because you wouldn't have to compete with like NFL regular season for the first two months of the season. Right, and starting NBA Christmas, you have a premier like opening night of basketball, and then you can continue into like June or July, possibly. Where like really the only sport that's going on is like regular season baseball. I think the NBA would be able to like, just like dominate those ratings as well, and I think that it would make a lot of sense there. But the only thing that interferes, obviously, is the Olympics. Yeah, that's really that's really it. But that's a big obstacle there, but. <laughs> It would be such a bad thing for baseball. <laughs> like, it, just nobody would watch. Because the only reason people, I mean, you know, I, I love the Yankees, but 162 games, the only reason somebody's tuning in if they're not at the game is because there's nothing else on TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah That's why they're tuning in, like, July or August, and then that would be great if the, if the NBA could, like, get into that. But I don't Basketball, know, that's just what I think. Basketball is a summer sport. I'm with you, bro. Yeah. Do you think like the ratings decline this year? Or is that a legitimate issue, or is that just like weird circumstances? I don't know. I think a lot of it was pre-programmed national TV games before the best teams were figured out. Um, like the Pelicans were on TNT like every other week, and they didn't have anyone. 
Yeah, without Zion. So, you know, obviously there were changes that could have been made. But I think it's also just social media. People are consuming elsewhere. People are checking it out on League Pass. Like, those don't count to the normal, you know, TV ratings. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, you know. Awesome. Yeah, and I'm glad we finally got it done. Yeah, for sure. I, all right. I'll catch you guys later. All Peace. right. See you. We're back. That was garbage. I'm taking it back next time. No, 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 uh, no. no. Should have done no, better. Start, we got to start. All right. No, I'll do, fine, I'll do better. All right. Go. And we're back. <laughs> so that interview by Hoops Nation was – it was good stuff. You know, me and Chester, we asked him the hard-hitting questions. So now, you know, we're going to get to a what-if draft. So all-time sports what-if draft, you know, something that it could have just tweaked, went differently anyway about it and how it's changed the landscape, altered the league. Um, so, you know, we're going to do three picks each. All five of us will do a snake draft. Um, let's figure out this order. Chester's last, right? Yep. yep. No doubt about it. Um, okay. Lock it in. Let's see. Um, who, who's, uh, who wants to start off? I will. I think, I think, All right, Cap wants to go first. No, right. me. I'll go second. I'll go off to Herney. Well, I'll go right, guys. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll back clean up. I'll back clean up. All right, I'll, right, I'll be the three. Pick, you know, it's festive. I'm donning. I'm donning the uh, color rush jersey, Josh Allen. You know, for this pick. And uh, what if my what if is what if the Giants draft Josh Allen in the uh, 2018 NFL draft? I think this would have totally been like crazy because obviously Sa- no one like was like mad that they drafted Saquon. Saquon's like a stud. Obviously, he's been putting up numbers and shit. He's, he's a really good running back, but you can't build a, a franchise on the run, on a running back. Like Obviously, now they have Daniel Jones, but if they draft Josh Allen, I think the Giants are in a much better place right now than they than they are now. They probably would have had more like uh, basis to build uh, upon because they have Allen, so I think that, that would have been a better uh, option there. So, what if? I mean, that also could have put them in the situation to draft Josh Allen in 2019, and then they would have had a Josh Allen on offense and a Josh Allen on defense. So, Yeah, that would have been crazy. That would be crazy. Josh, that would be insane. Josh Sepsian. Josh Allen squared. Be mind yeah. How do you guys feel about that? You think the Giants are like totally a different team right now? They have Allen? Well, def- definitely. They would, have, they would have gone a different direction in 2019. Definitely draft drafted. some receivers and shit. I don't. I don't know if they. I don't know if they trade Odell because we can yeah. see if Odell and Josh Allen work oh, out. Oh, that would be some scary shit. And if they and if they like and if they liked what they saw from that, I think they would have kept Odell because they already signed him to that extension before that before the season started there. So maybe they don't trade Odell. And Does then Eli get the boot after one year and then sign somewhere else too. Eli's not getting the boot after a year because the the owner ownership wouldn't let that happen. Francesa wouldn't let it happen. Obviously, obviously, but. Like they they would have went in different directions, I think, in in 2019. I don't know if 2020 would have changed that much, like in terms of how they drafted, because I, I still think like they would have addressed they would have needed to address the offensive line, but also like the order of the drafts and whatnot would have been different. And from the Bills' perspective, like what what would they do? Do the Bills fold as a franchise? They got Ty God at the helm. The, no, they'd be drafting Josh Rosen and then be in the fucking hole. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, good for the Bills that the Giants drafted Saquon there. Okay, so solid pick. Cap, you're now on the clock, too. Uh, I'm going to keep the theme of uh, Giants what-ifs, and uh, I'm going to date back to, I believe, I don't know, I can't remember the exact year. I just I remember it was the, the miracle at the Meadowlands game, and it's just, what if Matt Dodge actually uh, punts the ball out of bounds? It, it was actually Tom Coughlin's orders to kick the ball out of bounds, 
Obviously, he doesn't, and then the Giants completely collapse, miss the playoffs, and, and Deshaun Jackson fumbles the ball and takes it back to the, uh, the end zone, and the Giants get completely heartbroken. The Eagles come back from 20 down. What if he actually kicked it out of bounds? Well, Cap. that uh, go Hearn. Cap, if you're if you're on that uh, kick, if you're on that uh, punt, are you are you making a play there? If you're a yeah, gunner, course you're making a fucking play out there. If you're a gunner, <laughs> you're a gunner no doubt about it. No doubt about it. You land him out for Deshaun Jackson's tracks. Right. He's not letting his Giants lose right there. He's taking Deshaun Jackson down. He's putting his body I mean, on the line. He's making a punt. That play actually does have some uh, big, like, historical, like, like impact, though. Because you have to remember, right, that, that game and everything, Giants missed the playoffs the year after going 10-6, and six, and then that puts Tom Coughlin on the hot seat, right? And then the next year, what do they do? They go out and win the Super Bowl, right? So do, do they does that, ha- does that happen? Do they win the Super Bowl the next year? They, we don't know. Be- uh, the, I think the next year would be the back-to-back Super Bowl champs, actually. If well, they, they, they would have played, played the eventual Super Bowl champion Green Bay Packers in the first round of the playoffs if they yeah. don't have the ball out of bounds. And also, I think they may so. have galvanized the Giants, though. They're like, fuck this. We, we, get, we yeah. get knocked out and on then, this shit. We're coming year, back next year. We're coming exactly, back. Exactly. And the next year, Vince Young calls in the dream team in training camp. and then, and then like, I, I do like that spin zone. Maybe, yeah, so, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Exactly. So, yeah, I just came back the next year. Fuck the Patriots. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm up at number three. I'm going to go back 100 years, and I'm going to do what if the Red Sox didn't sell Babe Ruth to the Yankees? I mean, the Yankees are the iconic sports brand. When you think of winning, you think of them. Obviously, 27 championships. The Red Sox ensue on an 86-year curse, the curse of the Bambino. They're kind of the laughingstock in the league at that time. And Babe Ruth really built the Yankees brand up to date. You know, he saved baseball in the way that he just hit bombs like no one had ever seen before. And he made the Yankees this winning brand that they've kept on their tradition throughout all time. You know, they haven't been under 500 in 28 years. So, like, Babe Ruth to the Yankees was a huge move for baseball. The Yankees are the brand they are today because of him. And I just can't imagine a world where, like, he stays on the socks and then the Yankees are just a kind of middle-of-the-market kind of team. Flat on here. Yeah, yeah it's pretty no. crazy, though. When you think about it, like Loftus actually sent me this in a text a couple days ago. It's like the dimensions of like the old Yankee Stadium from like the 1900s. It's like it's like right fields like is like 150 feet, then like left fields like 700 feet. It makes like, dude, Babe Ruth like raking over like a like 150 foot wall. That's that's just that's just unfair. Put him on the Yankees, like that's just insane. I mean, insanity. The, the Yankees aren't the brand that they are. They wouldn't be the brand they are yeah, today without yeah. that. And. You can look, and this also could mean like maybe. What are you the trying Yankees, to say right now, Chester? Maybe the Yankees instead of the Dodgers or Giants in the fifties because they don't have that winning brand. The Mets wow. This sounds like a disgruntled Mets fan, man. No, I'm I'm what just if, saying what if. I'm saying what if. Yeah, yeah. What if Babe Ruth went to the fucking Mets? Yeah, yeah. What if Matt Harvey's pride did that at What if Babe Ruth leaves the Sox, creates the Mets? What if David Wright wasn't paralyzed? Yeah. So, Loft, you're up. You're batting cleanup in this draft. Yeah, th- this is an easy one to me. What if Bo Jackson never gets hurt? Oh. What if Bo Jackson never ever like ruins his leg? You know, a di- dynamic, multi-sport star, uh, just just an electric talent. And it's just really terrible. You know, he he dislocates his hip, rolls over on it, cuts off the circulation. Really, just a freak accident. All star in the MLB. Pro Bowl caliber player in the NFL. You know, who knows what that career ends up being in both sports if he's healthy. 
Yeah, he he made a Pro Bowl when you're with playing with only playing in eleven games. Like that's just insane. Yeah, to see his career end like that, uh, his football career and his baseball career never really recovered on just like a freak injury like that. It's terrible. Yeah. You know, who knows what happens if he's able to play a full healthy career in both sports? Yeah. All right. So, um, my I first my first play. what if is have also uh, Giants related. What if Plax never shoots himself in two thousand eight? Giants defending that shit. They're coming off. They're coming off a Super Bowl championship in 2007, where they beat the undefeated Patriots. They start off the season 11 and one, and then Plax goes to a club at like in New York or whatever, and he brings a gun with him. He doesn't get checked because he's plastic over us. He just scored the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl the year before, right? And then he's like walking upstairs, like trips, and the gun actually accidentally goes off or whatever. That's his story, that not mine. But and then like he shoots, like he accidentally shoots himself. Then he gets like. Then like Bloomberg gives him like some crazy shit like like I forgot what it was but like then they couldn't get him back for the season. Giants end up cutting him. They they go one and three to end the season and then losing the divisional to the Eagles. Right? None of that shit happens if if Plaxico doesn't shoot himself. Giants are winning that Super Bowl. They're gonna be back to back champs. Eli's legacy would be surefire Hall of Famer as opposed to oh would he be a Hall of Fame? Is he a Hall of Famer when he is two? That that gives him three and. They would have been back-to-back champs, and the Giants would have been looked at as one of those like historic teams. Yeah, it's I mean, really I... sad because that was actually like the best team that I think I've watched and you've watched, and they actually ended up losing in the first round of the playoffs to the Eagles, which is heartbreaking. And to your point with Eli saying he's not a sure fire Hall of Famer, false. He is a sure fire Hall of Famer. He submitted his like first ballot. Two, two he's, not, he's not first ballot. I, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's first ballot. Why not? It'd be a shame because, you know, then we wouldn't get these great first take debates. Is Eli a Hall of Famer that we all totally enjoy? Yeah, we don't need we don't need to hear that shit. All right. We don't need to hear Stephen A. be like, get Eli's not a Hall of Famer. We don't need to hear that shit. I don't know about that discussion. <laughs> Just I don't know. I don't know. Skip. <laughs> that was borderline right there. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to fly. <laughs> strikes again. All right, Chaucer, you're back on. All right, um, my next, my next, what if? So this might, this one might uh, hit loft a little hard. What if they, what if they make the right call on the tuck rule? Ah, that was on my yeah. One. Yep. What if, what if they call that a fumble? What if they keep the call on the field as a fumble, right? Which was the right call? Do the Ra- the Raiders, the Raiders become that dynasty? For sure. Right? Gruden doesn't get traded to the Bucks, right? They they made the Super Bowl the next year with Bill Callahan as their head coach, right? And they got waxed by Gruden, ironically, in uh, in the Super Bowl. So I think if they if they kept if they didn't trade, I don't think they trade Gruden if the if they win that game, right? Then they go into Pittsburgh or they host Pittsburgh. I forgot which one. Yeah, they they win that like they win that Super Bowl against the Rams. Fuck fuck that Rams team, like. I mean, you spin it the other way too. Are the Pats the dynasty they are? That that catapults them over the top, and it's a different animal once you get one off your chest. You know, then all of them get easier. And who knows what the Pats are today if that call wasn't scum fucking the Raiders? Yeah, I mean, the potential Raider dynasty that's available after that call is made correctly. I mean, the Raiders go into that next season Super Bowl with Gruden as the coach, not that slapdick Bill Callahan. And you know, maybe they have a real shot to rattle off a few chips. And maybe Gruden is never. Maybe Gruden uh, would still be here now with no yeah. like break in between. Yeah, what happens to Monday Night Football? Then we don't get that great Monday Night crew. I don't think, but still, still much rather would have that Raiders dynasty. I'm guessing. 
no doubt about it. On uh, watching Booger makes me think like watching Booger and Witten last year, and now Booger Tessator makes me think like maybe they got to skip Gruden back. But then we wouldn't have Grudock. Yeah, Grudock, brain trust running the league. Who's uh, up? Lost. I'm up. Yep. Ah, uh, okay. This is this is an easy one for me. What if Derek Carr doesn't break his leg in 2016? I mean, that's a Super Bowl. That's a Super Bowl Raider team. I'm telling you, they're at least playing the AFC Championship. That team had a magic quality about them. They were winning all those games late. Derek Carr was playing at an MVP level. They had the Defensive Player of the Year in Khalil Mack. That was just a great team. And ever since Derek Carr hasn't uh, been playing at the same level, yep. Jack Del- Jack Del Rio is like a is a defensive coordinator now. You know, things are different. You know, that team had that team was rolling. That team was playing really well. So Dwight Freeney comes along the edge and like breaks Derek Carr's leg. It's just terrible. Yeah, Carr was my MVP that year. And once you know, once he breaks his leg, you know, it's broke, it's broke. The famous words when he's mic'd up, they <laughs> fall apart. Connor Cook, incompetent QB, and they end up getting hosed by Brock Osweiler. Really ashamed yeah. to see that Raiders team just completely do a 180 once Carr got hurt. Yep. Uh, so now I'm on the clock. I'm gonna go with something extremely more recently. This story isn't completely written yet. What if Corona doesn't happen? I mean, our pod is for sure number one. Let's start with that. One yeah, no, no, no. We'd be blowing up. Do the Yankees win 120 games in a full Easily. season in the Bronx? Does LeBron get his fourth? Hockey? Gives, gives a I fuck. Mean, I mean, hockey? I mean, just... Yeah, that's a sport. March Madness. Yeah, Greggy, Greggy, but you would have never emerge as the American hero who would donate his own plasma. That's true. <laughs> you can look at it both ways, the positive and the negative. I'm not the saint. I'm not the hero I am today if that doesn't happen, so... There's a lot of different ways you can spin this, and it's just going to be one of those unanswered things forever. You know, if the NBA, we obviously just heard Buster say he thinks the NBA is coming back 60, 40% chance. But if it doesn't, you just know for the end of time, would LeBron have won that ring? It's just going to be such a thing. And I think this could be the potential to have one of the biggest what ifs. Also, yeah, March Madness, Charlie, like so much is altered by Rona. It just sucks. All right, for mine, uh, I'm going to go with the. Uh... What if uh, Ben McAdoo wasn't coaching that Giants 2006, uh, 2016 team? That team was absolutely, ins- absolutely insane. They had just like a top-tier defense, ferocious defense with OV. The offense had a ton of weapons, and he was supposedly the offensive wizard, but they would maybe put up like two touchdowns a game and win like 14 to 10 each game. If they actually had a good coach and a good offense, that team could have won a Super Bowl. And like, it's just sad to see that we had – just like a, a, a an idiot as a head coach, a t- one of the worst head coaches like probably of all time. Yeah, that that Miami bullshit that happened before before the uh, before the Walker that that shit doesn't fly under Coughlin. Come on. Facts, um, who got Hearn? You're back on the clock for two picks. All right, so, all right, so my first one is, what if the Astros never cheat? Yep. Oh. Do the Yankees win two championships in, yes. in three years? Yes. Let's think about it. Let's set the scene. Yankees are going in back into Houston up 3-2. They're blowing them out in Yankee Stadium every game. And all of a sudden, when they go to when they go to fucking Minute Maid, they're getting lit up. The fuck is that? The fuck is I mean, that? I mean, they lost three games in Minute Maid by one run. And yeah. they were cheating. Like, and they were blowing them up. They were blowing them up back in fucking in the Bronx. Because they're in the yeah. jungle. Like, you're in the jungle. You're going to get fucked. You don't, the Yankees don't fucking up. lose in the jungle. They go down 2-0. They lose on a heartbreak walk-off where the Astros cheated. And then everyone's like, oh, the Gary's series- sold, dude. Gary's just got to make that play. Yankees fucking get them the fuck out of the Bronx. They're fucking rocking. <laughs> Three straight wins. They go back to Houston. That dipshit Verlander pitches well. Well, it's easy to pitch well when you're off the fucking pitch. 
and then they go out to win the World Series. Scum yeah, fucks. Yeah, and in 2019, why is Altuve stepping up in the box on the fastest pitcher in the MLB in Araldis Chapman? He knew what fuck. He knew what was coming. He knew yeah. what was coming. Classic three-one slider. I mean, obviously, you're gonna predict that when the pitcher with the best fastball in the league is on the mound. Yeah, three-one. He's definitely gonna throw a slider. Yeah, good call. Altuve, how'd you know that was coming? Yeah, fucking idiot. Fucking idiot. All right, and uh, with my second, it's another. It's another uh, third. This is my final. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with another uh, Yankees uh, moment. What if A-Rod never gets popped for steroids? Does he break yep. on record? Does he 100%. Uh, I, yeah, let me get on this here. There's no way he's not, like, the 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 just objective goat of baseball if he never gets popped. He still popped. is. I don't give a fuck. Everyone was juicing. He's the most talented hitter and underrated. People, like, talk about his hitting so much. His fielding was immaculate. He had a fucking rifle arm, and he was athletic, beast out there, 6'4", fucking 240 pounds, jumping up in the air, running like a gazelle on the field. He would... You can control so much space at third base. You can't get liners by him. He's fucking diving, making a play on that shit every time. A-Rod doesn't get popped. He's hitting, like, the next year, he's, he's still juicing. He's hitting, like, 65 home runs. Easily breaking Barry Bonds. Barry, right? Is it Barry Bonds is the home run record? Yeah. 72. 762. 762? He's breaking that. He has, like, what? A-Rod finished his career with, like, 695. 696? That's like he loses a season and a half from that. It also just fucks up his career because he's not. He lost another season later on, too. And he's not the same player. And he's not the same player when you have to come back from that. Like, you have to play. Like, you're just on edge. You have to. Because you're like, everyone fucking hates you. And you're more focused about your reputation than you are just playing baseball. I think, I think undoubtedly, Arod's breaking the home run record. And he's going to be cemented as the greatest baseball player of all time, even though he still is. I'll hold hold my my, uh, response to that later. No, respond. No, response. response. I have a spin zone on this, though, because, you know, part of the reason we love A-Rod today is because he came back from the lowest of lows, and now he's literally the number one person, like, ever, undisputed. He came back from the, you know, Manfred's ripping him. He's getting suspended 220 games. He comes back and now is the most beloved figure in baseball. It just because, you know, he was kind of, dare I say, a little cocky, a little dicky before, you know, knocking the ball out of the Red Sox gloves, calling, I got it, I got it, going around third base, making them think that he's got the pop-up. That is some of the stuff we love about A-Rod, but, you know, his ability. It's an alpha male. It's an alpha male. just wants to win. His ability to bounce back from the lowest of lows is just another reason. He is With like a a hip that's like robotic. Yeah, he's he's 40 with a robotic hip coming off a year suspended, and he hits like 30 bombs and carry the team to the playoffs. What I'll say, yeah, uh, here's another spin zone. People say like, like, oh, A-Rod's only apologetic now and he comes back because he got caught. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're just sorry because you got caught, you're still sorry, okay? There's nothing, if he never got caught, there's nothing wrong with him not feeling bad about it, all right? Yeah. You just gotta do whatever you can to win. And those are the same people that, like, still complain about Michael Vick, even though he's, like, done his time and, like, has apologized and shit. He served his time. There's, yeah, there's a difference between abusing animals and taking steroids, though. Obviously, uh, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying that like he like I'm I'm just using that as like a comparison, like that they that they're like they shouldn't be getting shit for stuff that they did in the past, and they like like owned up to. Yeah, their but act. not everyone in the NFL was was abusing dogs. Everyone I, in baseball was fucking juicing. Everyone in baseball was fucking baseball. juicing. Not everybody in baseball. You know how many people were a leaked in that, in that fucking bullshit that, with, that, okay. with that bullshit from Miami? So many players were leaked, and everyone's like, yeah, A-Rod, fuck you. Jesus, he's the GM. GOAT. 
this is anti-Yankees narrative that fills the league by these shitter loser franchises that just hate the Yankees. Have a losing mentality. At any moment they can have to shit on the Yankees, they will take it. Even though A-Rod was the greatest There was like 10% of the league doing that. That's a lot of fucking players, but still. You think it's 10%? You think it's 10%? Whoa. As a bare minimum. Oh, my God. It's probably like 50, easily. Over 50. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Dude, just the Yankees are, are an alpha franchise. You know, they're that blue blood franchise. And all savages these, in the box. All these, all these the other box. franchises with, you know, these these uh, these beta male owners, these beta male executives want to come for a winning franchise because they have a losing mentality. They think the reason they're losers is because the Yankees are winners. And it's that's just not fucked the up. The, they're just mad that the Steinbrenners and Cashman just like are just like elite. You just can't like like you never lose when, when you have Cashman as your GM. You just never lose. You're not losing. He's getting everyone. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. Fuck everyone, all right? Facts. Let's go Bombers. <laughs> all right, well, my third and uh, final pick of the draft, I'm going to have to go with um, what if uh, Benji Wilson never got shot? Uh, are we? Uh, he could possibly be, like, the next icon, basketball icon ever. He could maybe even be in the discussion, is, is he better than LeBron or is he better than Jordan? Or we could maybe even be having a 10-part series about his life and how good he played how good his impact on the nba was just sad to see in that third for 30 his life got cut short and he was touted to be maybe even better than jordan it just never happened it's it it, it really it's it kind of sucks there's a lot of stories like that len bias another yeah. one high drafted yeah. for the celtics yeah. rips too big of a line that's it for him yeah there's a lot of those stories yeah, he can learn a thing or two from me he probably should have called me up before he did it Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I'm kidding. <laughs> we would never promote drugs. I mean. Maybe. Wait, love this. If he shoots to be a call, is he the goat? Yeah, think about it. It's really something to consider. Okay, yeah, my, never, my final. Never know, yeah, yeah. Okay, mine. Uh, what? What if uh, Steph Curry falls to the Knicks? Yeah, oh, they oh, they oh. one pick before uh before the Knicks uh, go. Steph Curry's picked. The Knicks end up with Jordan Hill career shitter. Steph Curry goes on to be this basketball icon, one of the best players in the league for a long time. But another part of the what if, is Steph Curry the same guy if he's with the Knicks? You know, dysfunctional franchise. He dealt with injury issues. Who knows what happens there? I think the most painful outcome of this is Steph Curry goes to the Knicks and then he gets injured. He's just not a good player. And he's always dealing with injuries and it's just a dysfunctional franchise ruining another guy. But there is another flip side to that. What if he goes to the Knicks and the Knicks are the Warriors now? What happens? KD. KD's still going to bandwagon out of OKC. Yeah. Next. Yep. What's yeah, up? Um, so, but, like, you're talking about, like, oh, what if you went to a dysfunctional franchise? I mean, the, the Warriors, like, hadn't won in over 30 years, yeah, like, 35 really years at that point. The Warriors, weren't, the Warriors weren't shit, like, before they, before they got stuff, like. You gotta remember that too. They still, I don't know about that. They still had a. They still had great upper management. They had the new ownership coming in. Like they, they had a lot going going for them at that time. In like, but like in the management level. level. It was like also, we, all, we never know. Does Steph shine like, in that in the New York spotlight? You never know. Like, is two he years into the career, it's new ownership. Like that's very good for him. I mean, the Warriors are like not necessarily like. I mean, when you like technically they're not a big market. Like obviously, like everyone knows the Warriors. I mean, the Bay Area is like, a huge market, dude. Yeah, I mean they're not like, but I'm saying compared to New York, compared to the Knicks, like they're that's not like that's not a comparable market. Like it, it is a comparable market. Obviously, New York is bigger, but it's not like a, it's not like New York is just like the capital right of everything. Charlie, like, does he is he able to like live in that? It's just like, live in that spotlight. Like, I don't know. We'll never know. Okay, so 
uh, mine, you know, what if what if Joe Pod didn't know? I mean, nothing <laughs> he knew and didn't do anything. So you're just saying the truth. My real one, yeah. So nothing would have changed. That's the worst pick because he knew and didn't do shit. So nothing changes. My actual pick is what if the 1994 MLB lockout doesn't happen? You know, the Expos, they had the best record in baseball that year. If that year goes on, they fucking run the table. They win the World Series. Are they disbanded? Probably not. The Yankees also had the second best record. Donnie Baseball, Dom Mattingly, Yankees legend, ends up with one career postseason appearance the next year. That's really when the dynasty started. The dynasty could have started a year before if in that lockout year they get that top, that uh, title, and then you're winning six championships in the 90s. I mean, huge implications, obviously, with the Expos. The Nationals aren't a team right now. So, yeah, it's crazy to think, like, we're going through Rona right now and these leagues get might be getting canceled. But in 1994, an MLB champion wasn't declared. So, you know, what if that, what if that happened? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Nationals won the World Series this past season, but they might not even have existed if, if – if the 94 season like carried out and DC wouldn't have a baseball team, that would be kind of crazy to think about. Um, so I, I mentioned that my, uh, fi- like the final pick, my pick for, for what if was kind of related to Johnny's in the sense that I personally, as, as much as we love a here, I don't think that he's like the best player of all time because that has to go to Barry Bonds. All right. Nah. Like, that has to go to Barry Bonds. And what if Barry Bonds didn't just get like blackballed by the MLB at the end of his career? Yeah. Like, How far away would those records end up being? Exactly. They would have caught him anyway, though. Well, we don't know because we don't know what the records would have stopped at. If you look at Barry Bonds' baseball reference page, it's extremely confusing. He's still producing at the end, and the next thing you know, his career is done. It's really, it's really bizarre that he got blackballed by the league like this. Like, yep. it's another example of like the A-Rod thing. Like, he was just put as like the poster boy for the steroid scandal when everyone was doing it, and he was just like so much more gifted. His ceiling was higher than all of these other guys on uh, on and, the gear. Yeah, and you're telling. As a huge look at A-Rod, it looks like he's built in a fucking lab, dude. Look at him. It's no, but Barry Barry Bonds' prime Barry was better than A-Rod's. As much as I love A-Rod, like. He had a season. I know there's a video on it. If he didn't swing the bat once, he still had like an a thousand uh, a thousand OPS, which is like a top five OPS in baseball. Like he he was ridiculous. Like hitting seventy bombs for two years with like sixty five plus. Yeah, it was insane. He got intentionally walked with the bases loaded. Yeah. Okay. In the ninth inning, like they were down to they were down to. I mean the the team was up to, and they intentionally walked Barry Bonds with the bases loaded because they knew that if they Pitch to him. That you know they he's got the yard. You yeah. know exactly, yard. exactly. So they intentionally walk him, and the next guy hits a flyout, and the Giants lose. Like, yeah, and Barry Bonds getting blackballed at the end of his career. Like, it's just so bizarre. His production didn't even drop off that heavily. He dealt with like one injury, and then next thing you know, he's done. And, and he's just not he playing baseball anymore. 2007 was the last season. You, you can't tell me that the 2008 Rays like couldn't have used a uh, uh, Barry Bonds in that World Series run. They could have potentially beaten the Phillies that series if they have Barry Bonds. Are you kidding me? No yeah. doubt about it. Like, then, he, definitely, he definitely still had years left. Exactly. Like we would have been. You see Barry Bonds now. I'm pretty sure he could step in, hit like 30 bombs for the Yankees. You, you couldn't <laughs> convince me otherwise. He would spit like you'd spit on pitchers like you could not throw a strike to him. If you throw a strike to him, he's going yard. Yeah, but, but right? even if you throw him some like breaking ball in the dirt, he's just gonna golf swing that shit like eight hundred. No, he's feet. not gonna swing at it because he has the best plate discipline of like any player in baseball. Nah, in I still, nah, you know, you know, he's taking a rip at like some hanging curveball in the dirt, just gonna fucking murder it. That's Vlad Guerrero, but um, 
uh, Barry Bonds now, like Barry Bonds just spit on bad pitching. And there's yeah. a lot of bad pitching even for playoff. Imagine Barry Bonds on the 2019 Yankees versus Randy Dobnak. Are you kidding me? Oh, Are you kidding? Are you oh, kidding? yeah, I forgot they started a fucking, like, Uber driver against yeah, the fucking that's Yankees. Gonna, yeah, people forget moment. That that's been an good. all-time sell. That's an all-time sell. Start Just starting, Uber starting driver. an Uber driver against the Yankees. They started an Uber cool. All right, guys, would you do this? You're a professional athlete, but you're Randy Dobnak. Do you do it? No. No way. I'm not, stepping, uh, in I, I I'm not stepping in the jungle. I got to yeah, play in the jungle against the fucking bombers in the playoffs. No shit. Because I could say, because uh, even, even if I get shit on, uh, I can still yeah. say yo, that. Yo, 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 Greggy, Greggy, what's your ERA if you're like if you're pitching a seven-game series in the Bronx? What's your ERA? <laughs> against them, you got like a like a 12 because you just go after two innings every time and get rocked. Oh, like an 81 ERA or something like that. Bobcat no, went like Greggy throws Aaron Judge like a 50-mile-an-hour fastball. Yeah, Mike, yeah, my 50-mile catch. Judges hits it like 900 feet. Greggy, Greggy drops the needle on like a, on like a 30 mile an hour curveball. <laughs> <laughs> Gary hits it like 840 feet. It's nothing you can do. Oh, yeah. I'm either striking Gary out or he's hitting it like 900 feet. I, I think he's hitting 900 feet every yeah, time. Yeah, it's like 90 10. Yeah, Moon shots. Like, yeah, but like, but like going back to Barry Bonds, he had years um, left and. Like it's just a shame that he like got blackballed by the. How MLB old was he? So was he like old, he was like four, he was in his forties, right? He, I mean, he was he was like yeah he was in his forties, but still he yeah, had. But he's a, like he the type of player that can play till they're fifty. All he had to do is just like swing the bat. So he was yeah. still the best. He should have had that. He should have had that second leg of his career where he's a DH for an AL team. Yeah. He was still the best player. In, like he was the best player in the league before his steroids too. All right. Like, if it was, he won, he won if it was. If it was any other player, they have that second leg where they're like a DH for an AL playoff team. Yeah. But for some reason, Barry Bonds, you know, there's such like a stigma around it that no one picks him up. And he's still not in the Hoff. Absolute joke. Get a grip. Yeah, yeah, it's just all these old heads. It's just all these old heads. I feel like all the young generation, like our generation, even older, like they they still love all these steroid players because like they were our childhood, like Barry Bonds, A-Rod, like. They make the game fun. Game's better when they were juicing. Uh, the Hall's going to be in a lot of trouble. The day, I remember the day that Mark McGuire got popped. I was like so sad. I was like I was like six, and I was so sad. It's like one of my heroes. You guys have to hear this set. In, in his last, in Barry Bonds' last season, his 2007 season, in 126 games, he walked 132 times and struck out 54 times, and had a 480 OBP. Jesus, guys still had it, man. What was he batting? He was batting, let me check, 276, but he had a 480 OBP at a, a, an 1,000 OPS. How many homers? Judge no 28 home runs in 126 games. That's not bad for, like, an old man. Just to put that Luke Voigt had, like, a 380 on base last year and was, like, top five in the AL, and that's a fucking 480. Dude, 132 walks and 54 strikeouts. That's that's ridiculous. Is, like, is Luke Voigt the very bonds? It's something we got to think about. I mean, is Luke Voigt natty? Yes. No way. No <laughs> way. <laughs> okay, what I'm gonna say is, uh, like, we have all this talk about the uh, like baseball Hall of Fame uh, not letting these guys in. They're in a lot of trouble when the say it ain't so boys get votes. They're in a lot of trouble. Uh, sure. What's on the committee? No they're in a lot of trouble. All right, all right. Let's Conseco's get in. McGuire's in. Fucking Bonds is in. A Rod's in. Everyone. Clemens. Clemens. If Clemens, Roger Clemens is not in Hall of Fame when I'm like when I'm like thirty, I'm like like I'm going to Cooperstown and, and I'm going to cause some trouble. You'll just you'll just make a, a Hall of Fame platform. What are they going to do when Say It Ain't So is like starts like a riot outside of Cooperstown? You, know, you should new video idea. We should like in like three years when they don't vote Clemens in, just like go there and like write a Clemens plaque and just put it on the fucking. Oh, so we no, we should just chain ourselves oh, to the yeah. building. Dude, no, you have to do it with the too, building. Their their induction year would be the same year. 
They've been on the ballot every year together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, no, we're making a stink at the uh, induction ceremony for everyone else that gets in. We're going to make it all about them. Do they ever? We're gonna we're they, gonna ruin we're gonna ruin those like high character they, hall of fame. Have, have they ever gotten close? Like Bonds and um. Bonds got fifty nine percent. They plateaued around like 60 percent. They only what have seventy five. They're gonna get in once these old fucks are out of voting. Two more chances. Oh, can run yeah. out of time. Like, Dude, like like Ed, like I'll just use Edgar Martinez as him. Like Ed, Edgar Martinez, good player for three. I'll just become the of the MLB and put him in myself. Right? I'll just do that. Yeah, Edgar Martinez couldn't hold Barry Bonds nuts as a hitter. It's and he gets in. Mike Mussin is in Hall of Fame. Like, that's seven. That's seven fifty six home run he hit. Fucking like biggest home run I've ever seen in my life. Biggest, dude, dude, you ever see his home run in the World Series in two thousand two? Like they lost that series, but still, like he hit a moonshot in the ninth inning. Like they lost that game too. He hit like this moonshot in the ninth inning, and they show and they go to this guy. Yeah, yeah every time, every time Bonds would step up to play, there'd be a graphic: the likelihood of he's going to hit a home run this at bat. It would just be yeah, like percentage chance. Have you ever home. seen his home run in 0-2, like at Yankee Stadium? Just hit that shit like to the t- like. Yeah, that really that, that's a back. terrifying visual. If Harold Baines is in the Hall of Fame, batting two ninety with three hundred eighty homers and only six All Stars, how is Bonds not? Doesn't make any sense. Once we, so so, what's the year where they they're not gonna be able to get it in anymore? Two more. So this this upcoming year, and then one more. So we're gonna ruin all those other Hall of Famers based on them getting in. Yeah, so twenty twenty two, we're coming. Uh, Like a few hour drive. Cooperstown's like pretty close. It's like two hours. Yeah, Yeah, we're, we're, we're. there's a slight issue, guys. If A-Rod gets in first ballot, that's his year. We can't ruin his big day. Yeah, we're not we, can't, we can't ruin A-Rod's big day. So we're, we're not ruining it for A-Rod. Uh, well, if A-Rod doesn't get in first ballot, we'll make us stink, too. Yeah. Well, then we then we can make it about all three of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, we'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll just make a big production out of it. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so that's it, right? Yes. Yeah. So that's yep. going to do it for this episode, because this is the end of the episode, so... Thank you guys so much for listening. You're welcome for giving you this amazing draft. I'm sure America. you guys are on the edge of your seat this whole draft. God bless America. Peace out. Yeah, watch me rip this shit. You changed my words. I remember that. Chelsea just went off the deep end, bro. Uh, uh. Are we still recording? Yeah. Let's go.